Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the My Ball My Rules podcast once again. I'm delighted to be joined by Harry Dahl and Decorati. How are you, boys? Very good, mate. You have football back in our lives. Yeah, that's. I think that's what everyone's overriding feeling is of joy because football exists again. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll start with you, Deck, because I think you probably had the worst weekend <laughs> for a lot of us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Arsenal, talk us through it, mate. Um, it's got very laughable at this point. <laughs> I didn't actually think I didn't actually think things would be able to get much worse uh, than uh, the end of Unai Emery's stint at the club, but we've somehow found a new level of low. Um, obviously, in the week last week, I said we would lose to City. At first, I said I think the prediction I came with first was two one, but then I think. I realised actually we're going to get battered like three or four nil, and we did get battered three nil. So I was, I was, I was happy that my brain started talking um, during that podcast. So I was right with something, but we were just all over the place. I didn't think the fullbacks were that bad. I thought Bellerin and Tierney were okay. It was David Luiz. David Luiz was just he's it's he a masterclass. <laughs> he was up, like I was talking about this with my mates this week. Uh, if you put David Luiz in the worst defence in the league. I don't think he makes them any better. No, he um, doesn't. That is that is embarrassing. He's one of the worst defenders in the Premier League at the moment. It, it why why? I just don't understand. I mean, obviously Pablo Mori got injured, um, which obviously happened, and we had to obviously put Luiz in. But he is atrocious. He's been past it. It's just another check, but actually worse. Because I've always felt like Czech was never really—he never really had his heart in it with Arsenal, and I feel like that's the same with with David Luiz. Only worse because David Luiz is a worse player than Czech um, at soccer. Um, and then yeah, then obviously he got sent off, which probably helped. Um, and then we ended up obviously losing three 0 uh, Went to Brighton, um, who are who are a team in a in a relegation battle. Uh, obviously, that that was their first game back from lockdown. We obviously had the 90 minutes before, which might have given us a little bit of an advantage because we kind of knew what was expected of us. Um, first half was uh, virtually a nothing game, as most of the Premier League games that have come back have been a bit a bit slow, uh, not really getting into the full tempo in the first 45 minutes. Uh, that's what it was like at Brighton. Second half, we come out well. I actually thought we, we played well at the start of the second half. Ceballos, who I'm not his biggest fan, but he, was, he started to link up with the defence a bit better. Obviously, um, Rob Holden had come into centre-half and he was playing quite well. Uh, so, Ceballos was coming in, picking up the ball from the, from the centre-half, which he wasn't really doing at this, in the City game, I thought. He was kind of shying away and that's why we kept losing the ball uh, in midfield. But Ceballos started linking the play up. We obviously scored a great goal through Pepe. Um, which is good for his confidence because I feel like he finished before um, before we went into lockdown. I thought Pepe was in decent form. I thought he finally sort of found his place in the team. And I was disappointed he didn't start at City. Um, but, you know, he got his goal and it's, it was a great goal. A little curler into the top corner, you know, nothing uh, nothing too drastic. Um, and then we just essentially fell apart <laughs> pretty much, which is what we love to do, you know, conceding a scrappy goal, another corner conceded at Brighton, which we have done many times before. I think even, I think either last season or the season before, we conceded two um, goals in like the first 10 minutes from corners at Brighton. Um, so, you know, this is nothing new. Um, obviously, Lewis Dunk scoring, um, like one of the scrappiest goals we'll see all season. 
Um, and then, Undergo. yeah, one to go. I mean, it was it wasn't better than Pepe's, but <laughs> it's got it surely is up there. <laughs> uh, and obviously, I, I kind of missed this point at the end of the first half. Obviously, Leno got injured. He's arguably our best player. Um, Form-wise, he's definitely our best player because he had a great game against City. Um, and that says a lot because we conceded three goals against them. But Leno obviously got injured. Not more pay's fault. It just wasn't. All these, uh, me and Sam were talking about this. A lot of Arsenal fans slagging off more pay on uh, social media. I just don't think it was warranted. You'd be fuming at your striker if he doesn't challenge for them. I completely agree. If Aubameyang done that, no one would complain. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not on the Arsenal side. You've got to take into consideration how hard it is to stop at a speed like that. Like, he's not just going to... Exactly, I completely agree. And it was was a really slow motion footage I saw where Leno actually didn't have... He went up for the ball, but he didn't have the ball in his hands when Morpé started jumping. Obviously, once you're in mid-air, you're not gonna you're not gonna stop, are you? It's not gonna happen. So I, I wouldn't say it's Morpay's fault. Obviously, Morpay got a bit of uh, a bit of stick from Leno, Guendouzi, you know, a few of the fans on social media and that or whatever. Um, but then obviously he had a decent game, and then he got his reward um, with a goal in the 95th minute, which just made me laugh. That's all I can say. It just made me laugh how bad it was. Um, what would you say as like an Arsenal fan and a football fan in general? Say you know, more after the game comes out and says these Arsenal players need to learn humility. I think, like, in my opinion, as like a fan and a neutral in that game, is I love that sort of kind of tenacious side of a footballer, and then to come out and be like, you know what, they were wankers to me during the game. I've just gone and scored a 90th minute winner. You need to learn some humility. Have that. It's like. What do you think of I that? Think, I think it was easy for Morpay to say what he wanted after the game because he was the hero in the end. So he was, he was at, at the end of the first half, he was the villain, but he got the 90th minute winner and he's one of the man of the matches for Brighton. So he, he could kind of have said what he wanted and got away with it. But to say it, I mean, fair play to him. He didn't have to say what he had to say, but it, 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 it's put a club like us in our place because we, we shouldn't be treating clubs like that on the pitch. You know, we should, we should, Arsenal have always been built on a bit of respect. Um, I know that's hard to say after how we treated Ruud Bannister after he missed his penalty against us um, <laughs> when we were in uh, 2004, I think it was. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but most of the time, for the majority of the time, especially under Wenger, I, thought, I always thought we showed um, a, a certain level of respect. We never really dipped lower than shouting abuse at specific players other than, you know, obviously as... I mentioned there with Vanish Troy. Um, so it's not really the not really the values that the club has. So I'm quite happy that you brought it up because as a fan myself and how we got brought up with Arsenal um, through you know the two thousands and the two thousand and tens, it's not it's just not how we are in my in my opinion. So that's something that needs to change. But you know, there's always been that thing about Arsenal being soft. Um, so, you know, some, some Arsenal fans might say, well, it's good to show that side because we're not, it's shown we're not a soft team anymore, but uh, we may be soft, but we're worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, them Arsenal teams, like the ones you mentioned from the 2000s, they, they didn't need to say things like Guendouzi during the game because they knew that they, like Vieira, he was winning his tackles, he was demanding midfield. Fabregas, dictating games, 
even like even early Jack Wilshere. I mean, a Spurs fan, I cannot stand Jack Wilshere. But if you put him in this Arsenal team, it's so, all of a sudden got a backbone and a bit of fight about it. But this Arsenal team now just seems to be like that kid who will who will call you a name and then run away. But whereas your other teams had that that person, like your Keon and your Vera, as I've mentioned, who just who will give it to you on the pitch, but they're they're the ones who are running the show. And I think that's what Arsenal miss a bit at the minute. It's just that that spine, someone to just stand up and be counted, and just take it to the opposition instead of just mouthing off and then trying to start a, start a fight when the game's done. It just seems a bit. Like Especially with Gwendouzi specifically. Different. I think it's Gwendouzi specifically. Like, it's, for example, the away. He gets subbed off. He gets abused from the fans. He gives them a two-one finger gesture, and then we go and concede, and and we draw. Do you know what I mean? These, these things, he's, he's, don't get me wrong, this kid, he's a talented boy. He's young, 20, 19, 20 years old. He's, he's found a place in this Arsenal starting 11 um, between both managers, Emery and Arteta. They both played him. So there must be something about him that's, uh, that he's showing in training or whatever. And he's got, he must have potential. Um, but he just, he needs, I know it's, it might show a bit of immaturity from him, but he just needs to talk less and play more to the standard that he's talking himself up to. You know, he's bigging himself up on the pitch, but to me, he's not really backing himself up with the football. And that's what I want him to do as a fan. I don't want him talking, saying all these things to specific players on the other team. I want him to tear them apart on the pitch, not just slag them off and then lose the game. The best players in the world, <laughs> they're talking with results. You look at the likes to say, obviously, is never going to be a Messi or Ronaldo. But they have been serial winners throughout their career compared to, I say, in the Premier League. Wayne Rooney's never actually been massively vocal in terms of, say, the media. I know he did have the, with England a bit more, but I kind of think that's more of a toxic relationship we can go on with in kind of the England fan dynamic, which is completely different to anything else in football. But I have digressed completely there. Um, but say the top players in England, say, obviously, Paul Scholes as well, in a very similar position, in a similar mould to Guendouzi as well would never say anything at all really controversial in the media, never really kind of would battle the eyelids with anything controversial in terms of like fan relations. And he did his talking because he won 12 Premier League titles, I think it was in the end, 12 or 13, six or seven FA Cups, a Champions League twice. Like that, that's your best way of doing it. That's how you back yourself up, isn't it? And that's how you make your points. You make 12 players on the pitch valid. You say if Guendouzi's trying to slag off a Brighton player, his points aren't going to be valid if Brighton then go and score a late winner. You know what I mean? And he just looks like an idiot. So that that's what the only probably the only controversial player in the media that was in Guendouzi's position on the pitch was probably Roy Keane. But again, the player that backed it up with titles and trophies, people will still listen to him as outrageous as his comments may sometimes come across. Because he's been there and done it and got the T-shirt, he's got the titles, he's got the medals. So Guendouzi couldn't be doing all of that stuff because, you know, what's he won? What's he actually done in his career so far? Yes, he's got potential and, and, and has all the things that I stated earlier. But what's he actually got? You know, he's not got medals. He's not got titles or accolades or individual accolades. Do you know what I mean? And that's I do what the fundamental oh. difference is. He needs to have a look at, say, his compatriot, Kante. Kante, Kante. I don't know where there was that debate on Twitter earlier on the week. But, um, yeah, he's a Frenchman who plays the exact same position to him in the Premier League, who everybody loves, 
has played for Chelsea, who are very much a disliked club in the Premier League. Yet by the way he acts and the way he plays, he's universally liked and loved as a footballer because of the performances he puts on the pitch and what he's won in the game. Because arguably, those kind of that stretch of three years where Chelsea won the league, Leicester won the league, and France won the World Cup, he was undoubtedly the best central defensive midfielder in the world. And that's someone who, say, a Guendouzi should look at and be like, that's what I need to model my game on. Not being this feisty little fucker, really, that <laughs> wants, to, <laughs> wants to fight everyone on the pitch and wears his heart on his sleeve. Because six months ago with Xhaka, he did the exact same thing. And what happened? He, he was exactly. wore his heart on his sleeve. And that's where Arsenal are going wrong. It's just too much. Too, too much. emotional. Yeah, yeah it is, it, I agree. It's completely emotional. I don't think the fans help because we are. Uh, I'm not, but I feel like yeah, a lot of our fans are an emotional yeah, bunch. Emotional. I think well, Arsenal fan TV is the epitome of what Arsenal are as a football club right now. Which is embarrassing because it's Arsenal fans on. Arsenal fans as a whole don't agree with these opinions. But yeah, yeah these, this, is, this is obviously the platform where if you want your best representation of an Arsenal fan, you go to this YouTube channel. Um, but just going back to Guendouzi, I, I think it is a thing with age. You know, I think he's only 20. Pretty sure he's only 20. He's definitely not 21. No, far no, no, no. I think he's 20. So, you know, there's definitely room for maturity to come in, especially as a footballer. But I think this is when someone like Arteta needs to come in, you know, arm around the shoulder and say, listen, mate, just... On the pitch, is, um, just relax yourself a little bit. You're talking... He is 21. Yeah, okay, my apologies. Um, either way, the, the, the statements still stand. Um, you know, Arteta needs to sort of pretty, show a bit of man management and just say, look, less talking on the pitch and do your thing on the pitch. That's what I want to see. And that will only improve his game. He can't get worse by taking that advice and actually going through with it. So, you know, that's when... I, this is the time where Arteta needs to sort of come in and just explain that to him and just kind of relax him a little bit because he is coming out with some outrageous stuff on the pitch. He's it's years away from the move to Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> I think Anthony is years away from signing anyone at this point. <laughs> oh, what, a, what a club. Um, we'll, we'll segue on a bit now. You mentioned him earlier, but Roy Keane's been in the headlines somewhat this week for his we'll say explosive return to um friday night football on sky um obviously david de gea didn't have the greatest performance in a manchester united shirt very much polarizing to what he did at wembley probably 16 months ago now um those of you who don't know manchester united drew one all with tottenham hotspur at the new tottenham hotspur stadium and um david de gea and harry Maguire were involved in a pretty much calamitous first goal where Stevie Bergwijn has burst through and your centre-back really should be. You're not expecting him to stop it because obviously Bergwijn is an absolutely rapid footballer and one of the best dribblers in the Premier League. But in the same sense, your defender should at least be able to have the foresight to step off and be able to shut slow him down. He burst past Maguire, hit the shot relatively in kind of De Gea's midriff, I'd say. And um, he doesn't get a solid hand to it gets down too quickly, completely misjudges it. The ball just spins out of his hands and into the top corner. It's a venomously hit shot, but in the same sense, 
you'd expect your goalkeeper to do better with that. Harry, you would have been watching that game as a Tottenham fan. What was your thoughts on the situation? I thought it was a tutorial on defensively how not to defend a bit for Pacey Wink. It was just all over the shop. And when they won the first ball, Luke Shaw was already like 10 yards past it. We win, we win the ball back, Bergvine gets it, and then you're just thinking, he's got space where Shaw's not there and Maguire's not going to win this this ball. And it's a defensive line. I think there was questions of offside at first, but Wan-Bissaka kept it on. So as a line, yeah. it was just completely skew-whiff. And it just, he had the space to run into it. And then, I mean, as you just mentioned, it's it's as a world-class goalie like the Hayer is, you'd expect him to to save that. And then even the save that the Hayer did make the, for the Xiongmin Son header, I've, I've got to agree with Roy Keane there. I think that's one. If his position is right, that, that that's, can be made to look a lot easier. And I know it's a good save, but is it because, like, does he that's need to... That's a controversial it? shout, that. That is a massively controversial. I actually agree with him. I think if he like, positions himself right, he can catch that. I mean, the distance Son is for a header, and he's not like, it's not like a Harry Maguire. He's not renowned for his heading ability, Son. But I, mean, I, I just think, I like the Hayer, and I think he's, he's definitely top five in the world. But I, I, I do have to agree with Roy Keane on the, the two. But this, this I, I've, yeah, I've got to stay. I've got to stick with it. He's got, to, he's got to catch that. I think the value that guy adds to Manchester United, though, if you think for the last nine years, realistically, obviously he did join. He had that probably poor first six months of his Manchester United career, which kind of ended with that calamitous game against Blackburn. But after that, he kind of started to step up and step up. And I think. He's the model that some of these current Manchester United players should have a look at now and be like, this is how I reinvent my career as a Manchester United player because David De Gea, as much as he did make that mistake on Friday night, is still absolutely adored by every single Manchester United fan as the only kind of major silver lining throughout this rather poor period by Manchester United standards. But saying... He wins Man United. This isn't me just digging at him like as a footballer. This is solely based on Friday's performance because when you look at the end of the season, David De Gea wins Manchester United so many points from the saves he makes. But that my comments are just solely focused on Friday's performance. I think he's he's a fantastic goalkeeper. And in terms of points one, he probably as a goalkeeper wins his club more than any Premier League goalkeeper. I, I, if there is a stat for that out there, I reckon over the past, say, five years, I can't see another goalkeeper winning more points because the saves he makes are unbelievable. Like Ollie says in his post-match press conference, it was like a complete flip on what the game was at Wembley because you absolutely battered us yeah. at Wembley. They made 14, 13, 12, somewhere around that number yeah, of saves. Whereas, say, he realistically made one save on Friday and the game was flipped on the other way and I don't know how many saves Lloris made there was that unbelievable save on Martial um, it probably wasn't as many as 10 but you could probably count 6 or 7 in there so obviously, yeah, then, so, you all, then you have all the blocks that our centre arse made and it, like you say that was a complete flip from the game 16 months or so ago like you were dictating how the game was played and when you, when you brought on Pogba I'm sat there thinking this game is about to be flipped on his head because you're an app, you're delusional if you don't think he is one of the best centre midfielders in the world and he can't flip a game on his head. 
And then when you start seeing him and Bruno playing passes together and like flicks into space, and you're just like, oh god. You think I don't think you can start Pogba because of how well the midfield was doing before the um, break came, and I think it was a bit of a message to Pogba from Oli in the sense that you're gonna have to work to get into this midfield. But he answered every single one of those questions in the 25 minutes he was on that pitch. So you can't uh, like that 25 minutes shows why he has every single asset a central midfielder needs. He's quick. He can dribble the ball. He's got the passing range. He creates chances. He can link the play. The only thing you might question is his defensive contribution, but he wasn't really tested on that. But in terms of, say, your technical abilities as a midfielder, in terms of going forward and in that, say, once he's received the ball, there's nothing that footballer can't do. It's just whether he can do it on a consistent basis, which is something that has been token about until it's been everyone's blue in the face it is something that sky sports love to talk about all the time so i I don't think we really need to get onto that but it's just it's clear to see i think that any doubter of paul pogba should watch that game and see that no other central midfielder can produce a performance like that maybe kevin de bruyne but you know it's kind of thing grabbing a game like a scrap of the neck like that there is not many that can do that I will add though, but if you play him next to McTominay, does does his defensive work even need to be thrown into the question? Because McTominay, I thought, was superb at just breaking play up. I think both midfields sort of cancelled themselves out for a period, and then it got to that last 25 minutes, and you're thinking, Jose, you need to change something because we can't get out here. And then you just sort of you get Pogba on the ball when he's making things happen. I think it was in literally, you're talking about his defensive contribution. I know this is was at that, that end of the pitch, but 30 seconds after he subbed on, he, he wins a tackle. I think it was on Aurier. Yeah, that's um, one, yeah. Plays the ball into the box. And I can't remember who's, it's probably Martial challenging for it and we win a corner. That's literally 30 seconds of his impact on the pitch and he's created a big chance like that. I think it was a reminder though from Pogba. It's not, it wasn't a proving moment. I think we know Pogba's a world-class player. He dominated a World Cup final. You know, you can't do that and not be a world-class player. I think this, because he'd been away for so long, it's, it was more of a reminder of his qualities rather than proving himself again. I don't think he needed to prove himself again, but it's, it was because he's been away for so long and that was sort of a reminder. And Greenwood as well, he played really well off the bench as well. I thought he made his impact and I thought they, them, them three, Bruno, Martial, really stepped up when them substitutions were made as a collective. Yeah, I think the only real forward player that didn't have the game you'd expect of him would be Marcus Rashford. Obviously, missed a chance in the first half. Coming back from injury, I find it hard to really get frustrated at him because of how much he's gone through emotionally probably in the last two weeks or so, well, a few months really with the injury and so on and so forth. I think he showed signs, like say, having your winger, being able to get into those positions to get those chances and did win the odd take on and stuff. So it's, I think it's just going to be a matter of him getting up to pace. But overall, I did think that showed Manchester United are on the right track that people are somewhat adamantly denying they're on. I, I have to agree. From that performance, I saw a Man United team that with a couple additions, not even just like squad additions, that they could certainly be back in the right area of the table, challenging the right sort of trophy. Yeah. I mean, just like going for it in the league, trying to get as close, close that gap on that top two as possible. I mean, there's not actually a gap at the minute. It's just completely yes. just Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> United were really impressive 
uh, Friday night. And if they can, I think the question has been the consistency, and we're starting to see a lot more of that now. Is it twelve games now, Sam? Um, it's yeah. I know it's longer than Ollie's original run, so I assume it would be twelve. So I think that was eleven. And now we're starting to see this consistency. You can really sort of see a, a vision of where this team's going, and I think. I think they've done what they've done right here is they've stuck by Ollie with the with the odd poor result and just gone, no, it's fine. And now now it's working and you'll see I think next season you'll see a proper Man United challenge. Yeah, I, I can't I say United, I think sorry, Sam. I think Man United are probably disappointed not to have got a win um against Spurs in that game. Just because I I think the goal I think the goal they conceded, it was so soft as we we spoke about, you know, sure with a bit of a mistake, Maguire's positioning, De Gea's mistake. You know, it was it was such an unavoidable goal. I think that's was sort of what Roy Keane's angle was about, although the way he portrays it is probably not something I agree with. But that I think United, that was soft. And when they look back at that, it's not even something they could improve in training. It's just it was just a calamity of errors that all seemed to just happen at the same time. So it was, it's a very avoidable thing and the chances of it happening again are unlikely. But with the second half performance they had, I think they deserved the win, to be honest with you. I, do, I, I think only Spurs really, they only really showed up in that second half once they conceded, which, I mean, to be fair, obviously you're going to defend against when you're playing against the top six team. But I, I just thought it was too passive from Tottenham and they only really started to attack again once they weren't ahead. I mentioned, I think the thing that killed us Friday night was actually keeping Harry Kane on the pitch for as long, well, we played the whole 90 minutes, 94 minutes, whatever it was. But I just feel like when your back's against the wall, you need that out ball. And even if you take, like, bring on a setting young for Kane, then put Son up top, and you just go a bit more direct and in behind, get him chasing up. Like Man United, Sam said to me in the first half, he really liked how they were just slipping it in behind over the top and letting Rashford run into it. And that could have been a good release. And I think every time the ball came up to Kane, it was either a really leggy touch or it just wasn't to his feet. And then Maguire and Lindelof would get it, play it to the fullbacks, and they were out. And I think that's the one thing that really frustrated me was Jose's lack of... It was very reactive Friday night. And I think that's something he's going to need to work on if we're going to improve because it's... It certainly felt like it was just waiting for Man United to score that equaliser or to score that second, which it was nearly, nearly given the opportunity to do. But yeah, that's just... one thing you would say that VAR did actually did work well for one of the rare occasions I say this season with um, that decision being overturned. Um, I don't think anyone could argue against that. I don't think um, Bruno's dived. It was. Just, uh, I think his momentum took him. So when recording this, we had a bit of a mishap and we have missed some of our VAR talk. So now please enjoy our talk on the strange decisions that happened at Aston Villa and Sheffield United. So um, after VAR got one decision right in the um, Manchester United game, um, didn't really help out in the um, curtain raiser, curtain raiser for the um, Premier League, as in... Sheffield United versus Aston Villa, where Nyland bundles the ball over the nine after um, the striker, I can't remember his name now. Um, Keenan yeah. Davis? Yeah, Keenan Davis, that's it. He um, just gets in his way and basically falls into the net, a good yard over the line. Goal line technology, still on furlough. Didn't fancy it. And um, yeah, that was a, 
a nice return to Premier League football, a stunning nil-nil, and problems with technology again. You can't go wrong. Only, Best league in the, the world. Way it was returning. It was the only way the league was returning. It was going to be a nil-nil with controversy. Yeah, and that's what we got. Best league brilliant. in the world. Unbelievable stuff. Um, the fact that apparently his watch went off at half time, flashing goal as well, just made it so much funny, so much more funnier. Did it actually? Yeah, it did. I, I don't know if I'm taking the piss with the, with the tweet, but it. Oh no! Twitter was hilarious when that happened oh, though, was, because the game was so the game was so boring. I think it brought the best out of people's creativity on Twitter, and that, things like that, and and some of the jokes that were made about the about the goal line technology were just class. I think I've seen about seven jokes where it goes, he's, he's put his Fitbit on and not his goal line tech watch. I think the creativity run out after about the third, third time we're in that. As soon as Lad Bible were on it, it was, it was over before it oh, even began. The, the disgraceful of internet journalism. This is a terrible, terrible platform and I don't care if they see this. Bunch of sure nubbing bastards. I'm you're getting a theme park. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of absolute mate, your fate was sealed this week. How do you feel? Uh, like I said, I've been, I've been like accustomed with it now for a while. It's just I, I knew it was happening. I mean, after the Halifax game, I did think we were all going to stay up. I because thought you were going to stay up. If the league finishes, look, you stay up. It didn't look like the National League were ever going to cancel it at one point, and then <laughs> we're now here. But um, like I said, we didn't get the points we needed. We're now. Going to enjoy enjoy Oxford City away. Braintree, um, mate. That's but, the one you're looking forward to. Uh, not, not a long gonna trip. Be, this is going to be my sixth time going to Braintree if I go next season. I bet you won't go. I, no, I, I've, I've, <laughs> said, I've made it quite clear to my friends and my dad. That I was like, there, there's grounds I've been to in this league about three or four times. I have zero intention. I mean, Deck mentioned Concord last week and I was a bit sick in my mouth. Um, what what grounds are you going to Weymouth. Not Bath. It's a good ground. I had more fun at Weymouth. I think Bath's great. I like Bath's ground. I've been to Bath three times now, though. Yeah, you've won every time, so don't complain. I just. I saw us losing two playoff finals in the National League. It just depresses me. It's also been my sixth time going to Chelmsford, but it's always a great time because I've seen six wins there. Chelmsford's all right. It's the running track, though, isn't it? The ground's terrible, but yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, it's the running track, isn't it? It just doesn't do it for me. We've yeah. scored six goals in two games, and I've been there. <laughs> Hampton yeah. and Richmond in the summer is a very nice... Any, any time... No. That's not the oh, one. You hate Hampton, don't you, Dad? not the one. I've, we've, I've, I've been there twice and we lost both times there as well. It's the only ground I've been to where we haven't won. They, it's up there with one of the worst names. What is it? The Beaver Stadium? Beavery. 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 Oh. That's Beavery. It. I don't know why, how you say it. It's not got, like that. Hasn't got a patch on Lewis FC's The Dripping Pan. That's amazing. <laughs> dripping Pan, yeah. <laughs> also, it's actually a really good stadium as well, The Dripping Pan. So it's got the slope, hasn't it? Like at the end of one of the grounds. It's not like end of one of the grounds. End of one of the... Ends. I don't know what's called. I've, my brain has just gone to frazzle, but you get my point. Um, just do want a picture of it. From one team, from one team going down from the south, I think it's only fair that we congratulate 
Mr. Declan O'Reilly. Having a Waterloo bill. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> as much as they pretended it was them going up. Well done, Dad. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Listen. Well done, mate. I actually am buzzing for you. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, honestly, I was prepared for like a week for this to happen. And I still felt every emotion that you go through when it happens in front of you in within 90 minutes. So that was, that's the main takeaway for me is that I've still felt all that emotion. It was really good. I really enjoyed myself on Wednesday night. Um, is there any plans for you to, obviously with social distancing measures being slowly relaxed, are there any somewhat plans in place for you to have that celebration yet or? Um, yeah, we just announced today. So today Ooh, very is nice. Tuesday. Yeah, I know. Very lucky. That <laughs> um, Didn't even uh, know. <laughs> yeah, so t- today um, we announced on the 4th of July when they're relaxing, obviously two metres to one metre and they're going to open up pubs and stuff like that. Um, we're going to be doing a huge celebration with the players um, and stuff. Um, we got we got these like... <laughs> that's what I'm like. Um, we got... We got like, <laughs> We got like football fields around the ground, so there's plenty of space. And, and however many people are going to go, I'm sure there'll be no one turned away. So, um, yeah, it's, it'll be a good celebration, hopefully, for everyone. Oh, good. I say it's nice to know that you get your chance with the fans and all of that, not really, because I think that's what's the main thing that would be missing. Like, say, you don't get that title lift, you don't get that kind of not last minute winner, but there's always that game, like, say, that you you clinch the league on. Obviously, sometimes it's not like a massive occasion for it. Like, say, when United beat Villa 3-0 to win the title, that wasn't, like, say, a massive occasion like a cup final, but it was a nice amalgamation of the leagues, like we say, Van Persie scoring. Yeah. So, like, say, you didn't get the chance to have that game that's just kind of the champions in waiting that Liverpool are going to get soon and so on and so forth, which is a shame. Mm. But um, I think that's the only real thing you're going to be missing now. Some fan worked it out. We actually won the league at Dartford uh, and it was a nil-nil draw. So if only we'd have known at the time that I was actually going to win us the league. Because <laughs> it, was, it was the most uninspiring game of football. Didn't you miss a penalty? Then and missed a penalty, yeah. yeah. But that, that secured us. It was like our 66th point or something, which was enough with the game in hand to have enough points for the game over haven't, so... That, but that was the moment, and it had to be one of the most drab nil-nils of the season. I wouldn't want to win the league in any other way. That you basically won the league at Prince's that. Park. <laughs> First time a league title has ever been won there. <laughs> Only one team in North Kent. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was Wednesday was class. and probably sat, I probably sat here for like three hours just having to go... For all the notifications I've never seen notifications like it and it was quite I actually because obviously being the admin it was a bit of a historic moment sort of pressing the button to uh, announce that moment um, which I don't think we're ever going to get again um, with all these circumstances so you know that's a a moment that can probably go on the CV yeah I say it's been like quite nice as obviously in that somewhat of a similar boat and being able to announce that we're getting playoffs that obviously you knew pretty much that everyone involved it was going to bubble over this way so you were just waiting to be able to tweet that thing and say for you especially because you had that it was more of a euphoric sort of occasion because you did win the league it wasn't say like for us it was just oh we've got playoffs so we're still a lottery but the lottery is slightly more 
of a chance than in the league itself. So for you, it must have been like an amazing, amazing experience and say, probably got some of your most engaged tweets, Instagrams, whatever. Yeah, in terms of likes and stuff, it's it's done numbers I've not seen um, for the club before, which is which is fantastic. We've had loads of congratulations from plenty of different clubs. Obviously, I think the biggest was probably Norwich because obviously Aston Oxborough was on loan from Norwich, our goalkeeper. So they obviously sent their message of congratulations and a few other clubs around that sort of area and a lot of our league clubs um, within our division also said congratulations and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was it was obviously a weird thing to do to have to tweet that out. But I think, as you were saying there, we sort of knew we were 95% sure. But I feel like when, like I said earlier about, you still felt them emotions as prepared as you were for it. You still felt the emotions. And I'm not even a supporter of the club. So imagine for someone who actually supports the club and has been there through the tough times in this whole 32 years between relegation from the conference and getting back there now and all the highs and lows for someone like that then it must have completely boiled over for them and you know the tweets that come out after 7 p.m when we announced it must have been brilliant for them yeah because obviously they're looking forward to that moment and they say that is the kind of not say um replacement for that feeling of say being able to be at the title lift and so on and so forth but it's as close as they're going to get so you're having that pint and scrolling through all the tweets and all the things the players are putting out. I say the video you made as well. Everyone's kind of, that's what's to get them excited. And that's the lift they're going to get rather than that penalty that secures it or whatever it may be. <laughs> I say it's, it's just, it's, it's the best they're going to get. And I think that in a situation where, or a year really that's been so dire, to have that moment with the fans is so nice. It's the power of social media as well, isn't it? I mean, if this happened 15 years ago, we had this pandemic, you know, the fans might not get that exact same moment the way we were able to provide it Find out by with, at the end of this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's how you probably find out or something like that. Maybe a, a forum or something like that might tell you. But um, uh, to, to be able to have that power of social media where you can see everyone's excitement, engagement, in the tweets that you're putting out, um, it, it's uh, it's definitely probably the second best that you could have, and probably the best thing you could have in this scenario that we've now got with this pandemic. So, but I'm happy that you know, obviously, we're up now and we can start preparing for uh, life back in the National League next season. So, yeah, getting on to that, what what are you most excited for about being in the National League? Um, probably, you know what, it's a nerdy one. But probably just the extra media attention and like obviously having that little bit of more exposure. I think that's probably what I'm I'm looking forward to most. And obviously, you know, seeing great teams come down, like massive traditional football league clubs that have obviously now found their way into the conference. I mean, we're gonna have one of Yeovil or not. Um, so you know, either one of those not Yeovil. huge <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, so, so, wood. Um, so much wood to touch. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Chesterfield, um, which is a huge club and things like that. So, yeah, I just can't. Um, of all the away days then, which one are you kind of most looking at and thinking that's the one? Obviously, the ones that are confirmed to be there at the moment. Probably Wrexham. Wrexham. Oh, so, yes. I think, 
I think just because Arsenal lost to them in that FA Cup game, and I kind of just want to. If we, if if I can go with Woodstone and Woodstone go there and, and get a result, that I'll feel like you know what we we've done the Arsenal of the eighties or nineties or whatever it was justice. <laughs> Genuinely, you go there and you feel like you're at a top end League One ground. Like it is really, really nice. Like, I do really like it there. Um, they do give you biscuits as well in the press room, so <laughs> no. that's why I like it so much. Um, and the um, to say that like, you go into like say the changing room facilities, and I think because Wales played there a few years ago, but like, not long after um, Ryan Giggs took over, and they had a friendly. I think it was against Trinidad and Tobago. That is off the top of my head, but I think it was, and um, they did win. I know they won it, but I'm not sure. And it did take like a last minute winner or something. That's not the point. But like you go in there and obviously they've done up all the changing rooms for that occasion. And the away dressing room is nicer than most home dressing rooms and probably no disrespect to the bail. A little bit, actually. Um, <laughs> it's um, probably nicer than... <laughs> I'm sure Wrexham's away dressing room is definitely better than our dressing room. I don't know how the social distancing is going to work in our changing rooms. But well, I think... Like talking about, say, that social distancing stuff, have you seen in the Premier League, like you've had teams getting changed in the car park, like Liverpool or Everton? I think at Yeovil, we've got the academy porter cabins. I don't know if there's any of this, but like, say, I imagine away teams will just have to get sorted in there because our corridor into the home dressing room is a very thin corridor. So, like, you can't social distance in there at all. Definitely can't social distance in the cage as well. That we no, have. not at all. <laughs> There's no chance. Literally no chance. So I think you can only fit about 22 men in there. So um, I, I don't know how it's going to work. But listen, it's just going to be something we have to deal with um, and just cross them bridges when we get to them next season. Yeah, no, it's, um, I'm sure you are looking forward to it. And um, yeah, hopefully I don't see you next season. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can sure. we can see. Um, actually, because we didn't get onto it last week, it was obviously pretty much confirmed that the National League playoffs will go ahead. But the North and South know they are actually happening now. I know our North knowledge isn't as good as our South knowledge, but um, what are we saying prediction-wise for these playoffs? Um, I probably I think York are going to win the North. I think it'll be a York Boston final, and it'll probably be York. Yeah, I think York and Boston are probably the two I'd lean towards. Second and third into the final, yes. <laughs> but um, um, Boston as well are putting in a lot of investment as similar to what York are in the sense of they want to do up their ground, they want to be on the right path as to that football league or at least top-level conference again. So I do think Boston are a fair bet if you look at the kind of model the club are trying to take up at the moment and obviously York as well with moving into the new grounds. They probably want National League football there. They had a good cup run as well, Boston. Then he played Newcastle, didn't they? But then they lost yeah. the replay. Rochdale. Team for Rochdale. Uh, South. Um... Slough. Only Slough. No, I, I actually hope Slough go up. I, my heart's saying Slough, but my head knows that I think Slough lost to every team away in the playoffs. So <laughs> I, I, will, I will have to, I'm, I'm going to go with Bath. I just feel, I, for some reason... I'm leaning towards Bath, even though we've absolutely battered them. You better have them as well, though. Seven 0 They got Tom. They got they got Tom Smith that just. Let's got play in the National League. Um, Nas- the South, sorry, yeah, yeah. he's National League South player. 
your best National League South player last season, um, which was um, given in the awards in the non-league paper this week. Him and their solid defence. You've got Frankie Artis in midfield. I just think if, if they can sort out their firepower up front, I think they'll be um, they'll be a challenger in these playoffs. But I don't think you can look past Haven't either. Obviously, with home advantage and the squad that they have, it's going to be difficult for uh, another team to go up other than them, to be honest. Um, trying to counteract that, um, say with Slough, trying to put a little bit of my head into it and give some justification to why they could go up. Um, they are playoff specialists, Bates and Unders. This is their fourth season in the playoffs in the seven or eight seasons they've managed. They have been able to just continually improve and improve on the level they get to every single year. And they do end up winning these playoffs when they get into it, at finishing in sixth or seventh place. So I do think that they can't actually be discounted. I know they have lost a, a lot of these sides away. Yeah. And say so they went to Kings Lynn and beat them. And now look at what Kings Lynn are doing. So, yeah, that's true. And it, 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 it's, you're definitely correct with the playoff specialist thing. Because even though, um, you know, obviously I said the stat that I said, playoff football is so different. And, you know, it's... it's you're, you're focusing on 90 minutes and the result only, not really looking at the performance. So, you know, the, all these things put together, it, it doesn't matter if they haven't beat any of them away from home because playoff football, it's so, the circumstances are so different, the pressure is so much bigger. Some clubs and managers like Yeovil, Bates, Munders, they understand this pressure. They've been here before. Whereas a Weymouth or, um, say, uh, Bath City, who haven't had great playoff success, that's my, that might be where they struggle in comparison to Slough, maybe Dorking as well, who've been promoted. I think if you look at the um, <laughs> League Two playoffs as a kind of modelled for what this is going to be like, obviously with no crowds, both of those games were flipped on their head and arguably not won by the favourites. Like Cheltenham especially going into their tie were overwhelmingly the favourites to go up. They were in brilliant form before the break. Pretty much dispatched of Northampton seemingly in the first leg and it completely flipped in the second but I think in these circumstances as well one you can never predict and there is an uncertain nature to the playoffs but two I do think it's just how you manage it over those two games or I'll say in the National League it's one but say how you can just manage that game and just get that result and I think ultimately I do think Slough are somewhat specialists in that It's, it's, it's a complete clean slate, though. That's another thing we've got to remember. Like, it's been three months since like, these teams have played. Yeah. So, everything goes out the window, and especially with Bakes and Under's experience in it, you, can't, you definitely certainly can't look past them. And you're looking at squads that have played together for a long time. I can't imagine a core group of players in that playoff has played together for as long as that Slough team. It, it, it's a tough argument, that, though, because obviously we've won the league with virtually a whole new squad. So I agree that argument can be I think in terms of, say, though, going in and running off the bat, like, say, straight away being able to go in and connect yeah, with those players again. Touching each other as players on the pitch with experience of playing each other for that long. I just think they might click better. This is obviously hypothetical, but, say, a group of players that may have played together for a year and, like, might need that kind of getting back to know each other again, whereas Slough, they've played together for so long that they'll be able to go back in. Maybe even if it's, they get a week's head start on training because of it, 
it's still that extra kind of development that some clubs might not have. I think it, I think it depends on your sort of togetherness that you that is mainly down to probably your manager and your coaching staff that that build that. If you don't have that togetherness, even if you've been playing together three years, but you have it when you've played it for one year, that team that's probably got that togetherness might actually end up better off. I feel like if Woodstone were in the playoffs, again, this is all hypothetical, obviously, but I think we had such a togetherness, even though we were a squad for a season, coming back after this long period, I don't think would have affected our togetherness at all. I think we would, it was, and this is no secret because we've obviously gone and won the league now. So, you know, we, it was, clear that we had this togetherness and and everyone it was one it wasn't it wasn't a split up of friendship groups you know everyone could come together and it would be it would be a team so you know that's that's the sort of uh i guess mindset that you need in the playoffs um and that togetherness is what will get you through and obviously with that that knack of winning playoff games which you know bakes and unders have if they have that togetherness within their squad which is likely because you know they've they've that core's been together for um, a substantial amount of time, then, you know, that might work for them uh, going into this with that, with that break that you mentioned there uh, before the playoffs. Yeah, um, obviously, so, haven't will be the favourites. And I think I couldn't argue with anyone who predicted them, but I'm going to predict with my heart and say Sal. I'm going to go with my head and go haven't. I, I think it's going to be haven't as well. I know I said Bath earlier, but Bath will be a... Bath might take him in the final or something. But it might I, I don't know what the, um, the final order is in terms of, say, who gets to where, like who plays who in the court. I think Slough played Dartford. Yeah, yeah, I know that's the game. I don't know who, say, goes and on then, to the next And round. then I think they then go to Weymouth. Yeah. So I could be wrong. So then Bath probably can't play haven't. I'll have to look at that again then, but... Yeah. It, I, I just feel like, for some reason, I feel like it's going to be haven't or Bath, and I don't think... I am ruling out everyone else, unfortunately. As much as much as I would love Slav to also go up, as they are my they are my hypothetical Premier League team uh, from two <laughs> years ago. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I just I just think it's going to be having or bath for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, speaking of the hypotheticals, do you want to um, go for that this week? Yes. It's a really really silly one this week. It is like obscenely stupid. Um. So, right. We all have a packet of crisps. And as the Premier League is back, if you could equate a Premier League team to a packet of crisps, what would they be and why? This is a great question because the 100, which was going to start this year, they actually, each team was sponsored by crisp brands. Really? Yeah. I didn't each know that. Like, yeah. So, each, yeah, each, each, um, each, team in the 100 was sponsored by a company of crisps which is um which is interesting considering you didn't know that that is very weird that this is a hypothetical question about oh, knowing that i've already got two go on then let's hear them i'm gonna go off the bat with kettle chips and go manchester city <laughs> extremely expensive satisfactory like the satisfaction level is quite high when you have a good packet of kettle chips and you know what i would probably pay for a big bag so in terms of a season ticket in that way big bag yeah. and then AFC Bournemouth Beef Space Raiders <laughs> <laughs> 20p, red and black I'd, if they were there and I only had 20p I'd certainly get them but um, 
would they be in my not bottom three? Probably not. That's fair. Um, For me, I'd, I'd, I'd put Walkers, but I'd have two clubs because they kind of fall in the same bracket. Walkers ahead. with Man United and Arsenal because they were once the best, but they, they, have, they have dropped off. <laughs> Who are you saying so is that, the Chris scores now then, Dick? Huh? Who's the crisps connoisseur if it's not Walkers? No, uh, what now? Cow chips. Cow chips. So that, that would be the best. Ah, uh, well, I, I love Doritos. I've got. A, I love yeah, Doritos. Man. I've got a few deck Doritos. I just. But what? Who do you equate Liverpool to then? Doritos. Yeah. Yeah. Because they got that. They got that like flair about them and a chili heatwave Dorito with a bit of dip. <laughs> It's and, they, and you know what? Doritos weren't regarded as the best team, but now they are. Remember which when is, which is kind of what Liverpool is. You know what? I'm going to throw out one. I'm going to go for Pickled Onion Monster Munch. They are a strong, solid contender that some people don't back all the time. And they are Wolves. Purely because <laughs> Wolves have kind of like bubbled up and they've been a bit, a bit bubbled under the radar a bit, but they're still a very good very good side and I think that is our pickled onion monster munch. I think they are a very, very strong crisp. What would be like your Newcastle of crisps? What's your mid-table? We've got to go through the league now. I feel like we've just got to go through the league at this point. Alright. I'll get there. I'll get the table up. Um, but I think they're a McCoy's <laughs> because they're like Harry, proper Loki, your... aren't they? You notice how much more passionate I am when you bring the crisp into it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Well, we'll go with the teams. We'll go Leicester. I mean, how oh, can Leicester should make them cheese and onion walkers? Yeah, they've got to be walkers. <laughs> they have to be. Yeah, no, that's no doubt. I'm like, yeah, sorry, they've got to be one. Oh, but um, then, yeah. Dex's point about Man United and Arsenal being. Oh, yeah, that's not the point. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter, yeah, does it? That, 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 that can be like a ready sorted. Yeah, yeah. They can be the ready sorted one, and then Leicester can be the cheese and onion. Okay, no, we'll, have, we'll have Leicester's the cheese and onion, and then, uh, and then United Nice Speed, salt and vinegar, and very salty. We've got Chelsea now. Chelsea, what are you saying? Oh, it's got to be an expensive. Yeah, Tyrrells. I'm not a massive fan of Tyrrells, but they're very expensive. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like my love with Chelsea as well, um, to be fair. Exactly. <laughs> Sheffield United, you're a working man's crisp, mm. a crisp that does the job. Working man's crisp. See, I think McCoy's that way, also is that for new. That's a big shout. But it's, I don't, when I think of working man, I think of someone on the side and I don't see a tube of Pringles. I see, like Sam said, a packet of... Um, oh, they are mini cheddars. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's other teams who are uh, mini cheddars. <laughs> I, think that, I think Ready Sorted McCoy's. Yeah, yeah, I can back okay. that. Yeah, I agree with that. Man's Chris. Tottenham Oxford. <laughs> What's really flaky... <laughs> oh, do you know if you get those um like ready salted baked um Yeah the baked the walkers baked yeah so they haven't got it's because Tottenham are yeah. baked because we've they've had the same team for like seven years. Yeah they are baked we're baked Crystal Palace <laughs> They're mini cheddars Nah they got I'm gonna throw out what, what is a mini cheddar? Would that I'm be more like there and say uh, nice and spicy knickknacks? Because <laughs> <laughs> you got, you've you got some flair, flair there. You got some flair on Zaha. I, I think they're 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 knickknacks. 
They're a bit one-dimensional as well, aren't they? Yeah, I've, you can't not have a spicy knickknack. If it was like a cheese and onion knickknack, you'd think, what's the point? So I think that's quite Palace. Yeah. Oh, now we're down to Arsenal in 10th. That was so I just want to say that. Already sorted. I think it's got to be already sorted. After 30 games, Crystal Palace I do have two more points really than you. I'm not surprised, mate. Crystal Palace are a good team. And you don't need to be good to be better than us anyway. Uh, <laughs> Burnley. That's a working man's crisp. That's a that's Brexit true. means Brexit, Chris. Oh, it's not, it's not Pringle though, is it? It's got a bit quavers. Yeah, quavers definitely. They definitely eat quavers. Quavers, quavers. Yeah, I think uh, it would probably be a meaty crisp, but I think now. Oh, what about the um? What about the roast Walkers? Beef. What? What? Yeah, like a roast. Yeah, like a roast beef Walkers would work for Burnley, I think. Yeah, I can say that. Uh, Everton. French fries. Can't argue with that. <laughs> or that prime Newcastle side that had like Ben Arthur over <laughs> Yeah, no, Lucas Dignier. Um, eBay. I mean, Schneiderlin's gone today, but still, they're French fries. Oh, is he gone, is he? Yeah, he's gone to Nice today. Oh, I didn't know that. Also quite flimsy, like Jordan Pickford's little arms. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Newcastle, did we say one for Newcastle? We didn't actually decide one. Um, crisp for Newcastle. I mean, it's Steve Bruce, so they're only celery uh, crisps. <laughs> no, because Newcastle Ale, what would you have with like a beer? They are pub? the packet of nuts you get in the pub. I was going to say, yeah. 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 How about <laughs> that? I was going to say, Mr. Paulson's Paul scratching. <laughs> That's a shout. <laughs> Um, Southampton. Have you need? Oh, they're Marmite. They're Marmite Walkers. Marmite Walkers. I don't know. I think they're a bit more, a bit too flash and a bit, but a bit boring as well. I think maybe Cheddars then. Yeah, they're yeah. mini Cheddars. Mini Cheddars. Um, Brighton. Cheddars Brighton are those alien head things that are grim. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? The Space Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we've we've given balls, mate. I, no, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. They can be. I've got. I've got a new one for Bournemouth. Yeah, because I think they're a bit weird. Like they, they have the questionable managerial appointments, and they don't actually have a good player. Have Have Space Raiders made some bad managerial appointments? Then I don't know. I just don't rate them. It's, it's so yeah, uh, Watford. Come on, Dak. I'll let you decide. Watford as an honorary Watford fan at times. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. For Watford, I mean, ah, they they could have been. Is you've got to find a crisp that could have been great, but hasn't really been that. Once you actually had it, you thought actually that wasn't as good as as it could have been. That's the sort of crisp you need. Oh, those Nando's like, ones they put out recently. The oh, thing is, I like the Nando's crisps. They didn't taste like Nando's though. Exactly. Like, it's got to but be. But you stand- actually do maybe, like Watford. You, maybe that could be Watford. Yeah, we'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, that, that, that could be Watford. The Nando's. <laughs> um, <laughs> West Ham. I just think a regular prawn crocktail walkers. Yeah, they're a bit, a bit nothing, aren't they? Well, they could be KP nuts because they're always in a boozer. My <laughs> <laughs> God, I, I, God, I okay. I really hope we beat them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bournemouth? 
Go on, you yeah. add your new one for them. I'm, I'm saying it's, it's, they're Marmite Walkers. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. They really are. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really young and really small. <laughs> um, that is basically Bournemouth. Aston Villa. What's the um like the maroony purpley Pringles? Um, I was I gonna say they're, they're, they're quite a bit. I think they're Greg's home brand, Aston Villa. <laughs> Greg's home brand? What? Yeah, Greg's do their own little crisps. They do. I didn't even know that. You oh, can have that. I've just, for Bournemouth, I'm the other day at Tesco's. I got my meal deals. I was only crisps out. Um, Proper chips, lentil chips. That's got to be cool. <laughs> um, Norwich, I am saying nothing else but a, ready, a, a bag of six of Tesco's own ready salted. Because you are nothing. Or actually the ones you get in school that are genuinely like disgraceful bags of crisps. They, are, they taste genuinely like sick. That's not. Yeah, they're, no, they're no one's first choice. I'm just going to approach that with like a brat flavoured crisp. <laughs> but I can't disagree with that. Especially if they knocked us out the FA Cup. I don't go down. Or as Ty from AFC, AFTV said, Hop Norwich get relegated. Thanks to <laughs> the NHS. <laughs> I like you with that. I've really well, enjoyed that hypothetical. That's a great hypothetical. Cheers, mate. That was I. I that one just came to my head one day. I was like, "That's a great shout." I don't know where it came from. It just appeared, and I was like, "We're doing that next week." And here we are, talking about crisps and football clubs. I'm sure you were probably eating crisps at the time you thought of it. To be honest, I actually wasn't. You know what we didn't talk about though? Um, actually, no, we did. We spoke about French fries. I'm being an idiot. Oh. We didn't mention squares, and that's what I'm going to go grab a packet of in a minute. <laughs> Paprika Max as well. We didn't give them any. That, that could go to Palace, maybe. Oh, we didn't mention Sensations. No one's really oh, quite sensational, are they? Sensations are up there. They've got to be like a... They've got to be a city. Or what they're if they're really a Wolves? Well. They could be a Wolves. I, I could be happy with that. Yeah. Are they underrated, though? I, I, I don't have them. So I've never had them before. I don't really? like. I don't yeah. really like sweet chili, but I go for the um, roast beef and thyme sensations, and they are sensational. I rarely swear away oh, from kettle can't. chips now. I really go full Tory on them, which is something I really do. I'm disgraced at myself for. Never go full Tory. Tomorrow, I'm now going to be just thinking about what, what Chris I get. <laughs> Which Premier League club am I? That's the worst BuzzFeed players I've ever heard. He's going to be at work dipping into championship, isn't he? <laughs> every, time, <laughs> every time one of us, like, we're all together, you know, getting a meal deal or something, we're going to be looking at Chris and it's like, got oh, a pack of palaces here. He's <laughs> oh. saying for his own brand, look, lads, I've got an Oldham Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> How was the conversation about Chris Skull so then? Well, it's like last week. How the fuck did we end up talking about the third Russian division? (laughs) Things happen, Dick. Things happen. I don't know how we're going to top this. Chris. We've got to come back next week. Chocolate. 
Yeah, I don't oh, know. I think we need to. I am getting hungry just like, talking about this. I'm I don't. I'm going to grab something after this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping there's a takeaway for dinner tonight because of the game, but who knows? I do fancy a packet of fresh enough. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to call an end to this lovely podcast. Um, boys, I'm delighted you enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, please leave a like, subscribe, and goodbye. <laughs>